Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. I'm Bill Powers, and I'm reporting from the 2019 Sprott Natural Resource Symposium. And in this episode, you're going to be getting a uh, taste of some of the gold and silver companies that the Sprott Group has invested in and are therefore presenting and have booths. One of my favorite things to do at these investment conferences is to go booth to booth and to talk to the leaders, the management, and the directors of the individual companies. And you're gonna get just a thumbnail overview, the quick pitch, so to speak, from each of these companies. Uh, perhaps you've heard of some, and if you haven't, uh, the thumbnail overview interview, about five minutes or so from each company can kind of be uh, just a little bit of a taste. And if you like, like what you uh, hear, you can go further research these companies yourself. So without any further ado, let's jump right into it. I'm here at the Sprott Natural Resource Symposium and I have the pleasure of speaking with a true statesman in the mining sector. That is Rob McEwen. He runs a company. He's the chairman and chief owner of a company that is named after him, McEwen Mining. Rob, thanks for joining me today and please tell us why we should invest in McEwen Mining. Pleasure to be here, Bill. Well, there are a number of reasons why you should consider us. Um, I'll put one of the one one of the distinguishing features is insider ownership. Um, I, I own 22 percent of the company. My cost base is 164 million dollars. Uh, so I'm aligned with our fellow shareholders, and I will only make money the way they do because I take a dollar a year in salary. Uh, I have elected to take no bonus and receive no share options. So it's, um, it's sort of an outgrowth of when I was running Gold Corp. I was uh, the largest individual shareholder and I just wanted to take that a step further. While I was at Gold Corp, I got paid. Does the compensation plan for the rest of the executives and board members from McEwen Mining resemble yours? No, I haven't been able to convince the others to go for that price. But um, so ownership, is the alignment. We're listed on the New York and Toronto Stock Exchange. 90% of our trade occurs on New York. And we have good trading liquidity. Um, if I were to look financially, um, our balance sheet has sufficient liquidity to take care of our development needs at the moment. If we were to do a large M&A transaction, well, it might change that, but at the moment, um, it's comfortable. We have our production base is diversified by metal, we produce gold. 80% of our production is gold, 20% is silver. Uh, we have a very large copper deposit as well. And then geographically, we're diversified. We have a gold mine in Canada, uh, another one in Nevada that we just started up, um, one in Mexico, and a, which will also become silver, and a gold-silver mine in Argentina. Rob, I was looking over your presentation in preparation for this interview, and I saw something unique, so I wanted to ask you about that. Most companies present the pros, but you actually have a section in your presentation where you say the cons. Can you talk about the cons of investing in McEwen Mining? Sure. Uh, I would first say that we have a very volatile share price because um, we have a, one of the highest betas in the industry, uh, better than three, according to Bloomberg. So... That just means when the gold price goes up, we usually run a little faster. And when it goes down, we run down a little faster. So it, it's not, I wouldn't say McEwen Mining is the everyday gold stock. I think it's more for a person who feels gold's going to run and they want some more leverage in their portfolio. Um, in terms of other cons, our mine life, um, three of our mines right now have a shorter mine life than I'd like. Um, 
and we're high cost and we're working to get our costs down. So I'd say those are the two big cons and the, the third con was the beta that I mentioned that um, you can have bigger swings in the share price. What are the main catalysts within the company? Is it exploration and possible acquisitions? Catalysts would be definitely exploration. When I was building Gold Corp, we grew on the back of a very big discovery. Um, so exploration, we are spending $17 million on exploration this year. So there's going to, in terms of catalysts, there'll be regular news releases about our exploration progress. Um, and so far this year, it's been pretty good. Uh, there'll be resource updates, uh, some feasibility studies along the way. Our copper project, we just validated a route that would give us 12-month access, whereas currently it's only four to five months of the year. But this is a, almost a 30 billion pound copper deposit that we're looking for a joint venture partner. So that could be another catalyst too. We're looking for cash up front, stay in the game, and uh, go to production. In your presentation, there is a section about the fundamental valuation of the company, the net asset value as calculated by different analysts versus your market cap, and there's actually a huge range of net asset, net asset value you calculated by analysts. Can you uh, speak to that, please? You were covered by four analysts, and they uh, have given different prices to our various assets. Uh, it ranges from 400 to, I think, $1.2 billion. Uh, we're currently just under 700 million, and um, if you were to look, the average would be, I think, 800, 900 million, is the average of all those investments. And then if you looked, we've gone out and looked for comparable mines within companies and looked at the valuations, and you get up to about 1.2. But you know, it, it it's probably not taking into account the life of mine or the cost, it's just looking at the size and what the value is being placed on it. So the sp- we're undervalued. We've, and been in a, we've been in the doghouse for first and second quarter because we had some difficulties of our mine in Timmins and, and the mine in Nevada we were bringing on stream, it came on two months later than we thought it would. This is more a leadership question. How do you deal with those that have put you in the doghouse and you know the naysayers at this point? How do you deal with that as a chief executive? You just have to deal with results. You have to deliver results and prove them wrong. We're at the Sprott Conference. What is McEwen Mining's relationship with the Sprott Group? Oh, Eric Sprott was a big investor in Gold Corp when I was running Gold Corp, and he did very well by it. Uh, I guess they look at us, I'm, I'm on one of the panels speaking, and then we have some other presentations, so they think we're a company they'd like to have at the conference, because there's a wide array of values here, and so I think that's why we're here. Excellent, and as we conclude, what final thoughts would you like to share with my listeners? Gold, gold is going higher. I think we've come off a bottom, and a lot of investors outside of our space haven't appreciated how much gold has moved in the last three years. If you were to look at the S and well, gold itself hasn't moved as much as gold stocks. So the S, gold is up about 34 percent over the last three years. Uh, the S and P is up about 48. The Dow's up 56. But the ETFs, the GDX, the GDXJ, are up over 100 percent. They've performed 100 percent better than the Dow or the S&P, and most people do not appreciate that. So as I think 
as that information leaks into the press, the broad press media, we'll see more people moving into this space. Go long. Go long, gold. You've been listening to Rob McEwen. He is the chief executive and chief owner of McEwen Mining. Rob, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Bill. Pleasure. I'm at the Sprott Natural Resource Symposium in the beautiful city of Vancouver, and I have the pleasure of sitting down with Jim McDonald. He is the president, CEO, and founder of Kootenay Silver. Jim, thanks for joining me. Yeah, great. Uh, Pleasure, Bill. Good to be here. Well, Sprott has chosen to invest in your company. Tell us a little bit about why Sprott invested in your company and a little bit about that transaction. Well, Kootenay Silver is focused, obviously, on silver exploration. We're focused heavily in Mexico, where there's a lot of silver historic production and discoveries. So we have a successful track record of making new discoveries and doing quite a good job at the grassroots discovery level. Uh, We've made three different discoveries down in Mexico. We have three deposits, two have resource, resource studies on them. Uh, defining 144 million ounces of uh, measured indicated category and about another 35 million in in uh, inferred. The third deposit uh, we discovered has not yet got a, um, a resource calculation on it. So we've got tremendous leverage to silver and uh, we have also acquired some new properties over the uh, the last year, two new properties, high-grade vein systems and high-grade really counts, especially when the silver price is low. And we're drilling one of those called Columba. The historic numbers there are just fantastic, bonanza grade. We just started drilling there, and that could be you know, like an immediate catalyst to our company with a new discovery there if we can replicate those numbers. And uh, then uh, with increasing silver price our existing assets become ever more valuable and hence the the leverage in silver so you have both the fundamental value at the two projects where you have a defined resource and then you have that upside in this newer project which I believe there's a shaft there and there it actually produced silver 100 years ago yeah, it did. So there's a couple uh, errors, like around 1910, there's a fair bit of development work put in, came to an end during the Mexican Revolution, and then a brief time in the late 1950s, early 1960s, they did some uh, production there. Historic numbers, uh, once you get down about uh, 50 meters deep, or like in the 600-plus gram range, which is a real great bonanza, you you can make money at that grade at almost any silver price so and it hasn't not been drilled there's multiple veins there we're going in the first time with a serious drill program Uh, so we're really excited about the possibilities of what we can find there twofold question what's your market cap and then what is your valuation per ounce in the ground defined within the company right now of silver relative to your market cap if you know that number yeah so our market cap right now is just around 30 million Canadian uh, so not a whole lot. So the you know the existing resources we're only getting paid about like, um, twenty cents for uh, Canadian per ounce. Uh, when when we're in a silver market, in the ground resources typically trade anywhere from fifty to a buck fifty an ounce. So we, you can see where the leverage comes just on silver price. Uh, the other. Th- thing is on new discoveries and if we make a new high-grade discovery and we're successful at Columba then that's a brand new story so it creates its own momentum and its own value um, very rapidly. What does your treasury look like right now? 
Uh, we're sitting at uh, just about six million right now, so we're in good shape for this year in the drill program, and to, to put us in great shape to make that discovery, and that's what we aim to do. So, any other catalysts that you'd like to further talk about as we conclude here, and what other things should investors know? Well, we've uh, you know outside of Columba, what we're drilling now, we've also got another high-grade uh, vein property in Mexico that has never been drilled really good numbers right at surface. We've, we're just in the process of concluding the surface access agreement with, with the surface owners, which will enable us to get that property ready for drilling and permitted. So we're doing that as well. So depending on how uh, what goes up with Columba here in the next few months, uh, we may be bringing that on to drill uh, this year too. So another uh, near-term catalyst to watch out for. And please share your website and ticker and stock info. Yeah, so uh, we are on the uh, Toronto Venture Exchange, uh, KTN's our ticker. And we're also over the counter, and uh, it's K-O-O-Y-F. Excellent. And the website is KootenaySilver.com. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you. I'm now speaking with Christian Milo. He is the CEO of Equinox Gold. This is a Ross, Buddy, Ross Beatty funded gold development and producing company. Christian, thanks for coming on Mining Stock Education. Thanks very much, Bill. Great to be here. Let's start with why you are at this conference. Uh, you're here because Sprott has invested in you. What's your company's relationship with Sprott? Yeah, I'm probably here for several reasons. I mean, when myself and the management team got involved with Luna Gold or the Arizona Gold Mine in northern Brazil, we were looking for someone to fund the project. And interestingly, uh, one of the bankers I dealt with over the years had moved to Sprott not too long before that, um, Greg Caioni, and they actually made a really compelling pitch to support us in a really quick timeline to get the money we needed to rebuild a mine at the bottom of the sector in the cycle. Um, so Sprott stepped right up and people like Peter Groskopf and Rick Rule on the equity side support us as well. So. As an institution, they really got behind us. When a lot of people aren't putting money into our sector, they were still putting money in. So uh, we were pleased to work with them. And when you took over as CEO, when this company was launched, there was no producing asset. Now I understand there's two producing assets. Yeah, so just over two and a half years ago, we had a development asset, which was a past producing asset, but we wanted to get it back in production as quick as possible. So we needed to find the money and get the people in place to rebuild the actual processing plant in northern Brazil. Um, then we did a merger with uh, Ross Beatty's company and Ross had the same vision as us. We wanted to build a gold mining company that would see ourselves through the cycles and ultimately be similar to Pan American Silver, be a multi-asset, multi-jurisdictional, larger scale gold mining company that would be his gold investment vehicle and we had the management team in place so it was really really nice when we got together because we really had shared the same vision ultimately. When an investor looks at your investment uh, value proposition and compares you to some of your peers what would be your argument for why they need to put their money in your company? Yeah I think we're an underknown name I mean we really created the crux of this company, I say, at the end of 17, beginning of 2018 when Ross got involved. And then you got a few more eyeballs on the story and people watching it. But then we had the one development asset. We became funded, which was a big step forward. But then we bought a producing mine called Mesquite in California. And we've just poured gold on that Brazilian mine, Arizona, a few weeks ago. So now we have two producing mines. We snuck up on people. And we're still trading like a, almost a junior developer. And we hope that people will recognize in the next three to six months, we are a multi-asset producer now, producing 
roughly 250,000 ounces a year of gold. And we've got another project in the pipeline in California that we plan to construct late this year, so it'll be pouring gold next year. So I think people will go, oh, wow, you can buy a company that's still trading like a, a developer in a way, like 0.5, 0.6 times net asset value, and there's a chance to get a re-rating even if gold price doesn't move. I'm an American, so when I hear California and New York, I think far-left government, but they haven't given you any problems there. Well, the, the interesting part, you know, and uh, people who talk about political risk jurisdictions around the world, you know, they all have some risk. Uh, let's not hide from that. Um, California is a place that Ross has actually had two or three operating mines in the past. I've been involved with one and Mesquite is already an operating mine down near the Arizona border and Castle Mountain's about an hour from Las Vegas just on the inside part of California there uh, right butting up against the Nevada border. So in a way it's a different world on the, the east coast versus the or the eastern side versus the western side of California. You know we're not near any major cities. They're past producing projects or currently producing um, you know, people want jobs, they want taxes, they want income in that part of the world. There's a high unemployment rate. So it's a very different environment than being in Los Angeles or San Francisco. So the local so. government influences things at the state. Yeah, the counties have been quite supportive in the local communities. Um, in Imperial County, we have the best jobs. We provide good income and jobs to a good group of people. And I think we plan to do the same there in San Bernardino County, ultimately. And we're pretty excited about that. And again, they're past producing, so they're already permitted. They have a footprint. So it's not like we're going out into a greenfield project and completely starting fresh. Review with us what are some of the key catalysts for the company in the next 6 to 12 months. Yeah, I think we've just poured gold at Arizona, but I think we have to show the market now that we've got a quarter or two of results under our belt. It's ramping up really nicely. It's running above nameplate and probably better than expectations in the first six weeks. So people want to see those quarterly results. Then they go, all right, you're a multi-asset producer. Then the next stage is they want to see exploration start again on both our California project in Mesquite and also in Arizona and Brazil. And then the other thing they want to see towards the end of this year is um, announcing construction at Castle Mountain, the third project in the pipeline, which we're looking on track for. And with gold prices at these levels, I think it really puts us in a much stronger funding position as well. So the company is cash flow positive at this point? Not quite yet because we're literally just ramping up Arizona, but we're kind of on the cusp of that until we decide to construct again. And obviously we'll be reinvesting that in our third project. As we conclude, what final thoughts would you like to share with my listeners? Yeah, we're, we're a story that I'd like people just to take a look at, you know, I think we're getting a few more institutional funds looking at us, just starting to get familiar with us doing their homework. Gold seems to be getting a bit again, and we're one of those names that we hope will surprise people. We'll be a mid-tier producer here in the near future, and uh, we'll sneak up on people. And one of the goals for us is to continue to get volume and focus on our stock. And we want to eventually get listed in the U.S., because we're obviously a big U.S. operating company soon. And um, we're going to be listing, hopefully, in the U.S. in the second half of this year as well and as... OTC? No, we're already there. But also, we would like to get actually a proper listing in New York Stock Exchange, ultimately. And then graduate to the TSX in Canada as well. So continue that momentum and liquidity and hopefully makes it easier to buy and sell our stock. Well, the company is Equinox Gold. You've heard from Christian Milo. Christian, thank you for joining me on Money Stock Education. Thanks very much, Bill. I'm still at the Sprott Natural Resource Symposium and I'm sitting down with Steve Poulton. He is the Chief Executive of Altus Strategies and we've been chatting here for about 20 minutes and he's also a geologist turned successful entrepreneur and a financier based out of London. Altus is focused on project generation in Africa. Steve, please give us an overview of your company. Uh, thank you, uh, Bill. 
Um, so we are a project and royalty generator. As you say, we're focused on Africa. We listed the company in London in 2017 and we dual listed on the TSX in 2018. We've got 16 projects in Africa, actually 17 projects in Africa, and we're in six countries. And the portfolio is probably 50% in gold and 50% in base metals. Our, our, I was going to say, our business is to uh, generate projects, uh, enter transactions, and retain a royalty in our deals. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And you have 16 projects throughout Africa, and I know from our conversation you have 16 geologists, yep. and you have a very strong backing, one of which is Sprott. Talk about your relationship with Sprott. How did you get to this place? Well, Sprott invested in the first instance in 2012, and then they invested again in 2013, and Neil Adsed uh, was on our board for about four or five years. Um, we're delighted to have his contribution, and it gave him a good oversight of how we, how we operate, uh, and the way we operate, and the outcomes we can generate. Excellent. What's the capital structure of the company? We have 177 uh, million shares out. Uh, we trade about eight cents, and we have about 30 million warrants at 30 cents. Mm -hmm. So with your business model, um, you take the JV partners, you don't yet have royalties. Uh, explain what's a, an uh, analog of a company that you would want to become, that investors could uh, visualize when they think about your company? Uh, I think the first company we would uh, compare ourselves to would perhaps be EMX Royalties. Uh, it's a project and royalty generator, been very successful, uh, generated themselves a very large treasury by monetizing assets. Uh, they seem to want to execute deals early on in the process, monetize their assets, retain the option, and uh, they've been very successful at it. In fact, one of our directors is Michael Wynn, who's the chairman of EMX Royalties, and uh, so we have a very interesting uh, synergy there with them. But there's also companies like Altius. Uh, they've been very successful in the Canadian market, about 10 years older than us as a firm. Uh, also a project and royalty generator, and now they're doing very well, uh, generating $80 million a year of income, I believe. Mm. What's your market capitalization? Well, we're on about $16 million uh, Canadian right now, and uh, we did a financing last year at $0.15 cents with Sprott and uh, people like Adrian Day uh, and other entrepreneurs and, in, and mining sector investors coming into the company. Uh, and since then, the stock has drifted down to around about $0.08 cents today in line with market conditions. But over that time, we've been very busy on the news uh, front, uh, generated a lot of interesting discoveries across our portfolio in Africa, uh, and also uh, made uh, some interesting developments in our Mali and gold uh, portfolio, where we have a number of very well-located uh, strategic, I'd say, strategically located assets next to the Sadiola gold mine. Nearly every CEO I talk to thinks their company is undervalued, but uh, through our discussion before I hit record here, you made a pretty convincing case relative to your market cap of why Altus is undervalued based on one project alone. Could you share that with the listeners? Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll stay consistent with what I said, which was that uh, our Deba Gold project, uh, which is located about 15 kilometers from the Sadiola Gold Mine, uh, would probably on its own underwrite our current market capitalization. In what country is that? That's in Mali. So it's a Western Mali gold project. Sadiola had 13 million ounces, one three million ounces of gold in it. It's been mined for the last decade. Uh, it's towards the end of its mine life now. It has a three million ounce resource left, we believe. Uh, the project is for sale. It's an IM gold and Anglo gold asset. Uh, we And we feel as if we have the next two or three years of oxide cash flow production for that asset just next door to it, within trucking distance on a flat road. And uh, we think that asset has a huge uh, enterprise value uh, inherent in the stock right now. 
but that's not our only project there that could potentially underwrite our, our asset value. Can you share a number or is that internal only, that number you put on that project? Uh, I would probably keep it to myself, but I would say that uh, it's more than our current market capitalization. We've done a, a, an internal DCF net present value calculation on it using reasonable assumptions and a, and a gold price that is $100 less than the current gold price and uh, you, you get a very large number. So with your company, investors are per protected against the downside of dilution. And as we conclude, what are the upside or catalysts that they should expect in the next, in the next 12 months? Uh, that's a very good question. So we have 16 or 17 projects in six countries across Africa. Uh, that means our shareholders are diversified in terms of the risk to a single asset or a single country or a single geology. Uh, as we mentioned on our chat beforehand, they can go to sleep at night and know that their portfolio is protected. And if the worst comes to the worst on any one of those assets, it's at maximum 10 or 15% of the portfolio that's going to be impaired. Uh, not that we're expecting anything to happen necessarily. And so uh, they have all of this uh, potential downside risk protection, but on the upside, uh, we are in the process of striking deals on, on our, across our portfolio. It's very important for us to not just generate the assets, but to monetize them and monetize them fast. We have uh, double-digit numbers of CAs out there outstanding with companies who are keen to do deals with us. We're not going to do any old deal. We're, and we're trying to be as far as we can entrepreneurial and also innovative in how we structure deals. So over the next 12 months, we would like to have at least half of our portfolio put under JV, and that will generate us near-term income in terms of uh, signing deals and also milestone payments. And then the actual exploration activities will be, uh, we will undertake at some cost, which we'll get back. And it will mean that we can end up in a situation where we have a net negative uh, burn rate across the portfolio and we're generating income from our story and we're generating royalty interests which we think are generate a, a long-term perpetual income stream on, on these assets which have huge option value on them. Uh, and looking longer term for say five years time, we genuinely see ourselves as a royalty business. Uh, but there will be royalties- Like EMX. Like EMX, the royalties that we organically created uh, that end up having fantastic value that are many multiples of the current share price on their own. And you trade in Toronto and London, so share your tickers, please. Uh, it's ALTS in uh, Canada and ALS in London. Excellent. Well, you heard from Steve Poulton of Altus Strategies. Steve, thanks for joining me today. It's been a pleasure, Bill. I'm reporting from the Sprott Natural Resource Symposium, and I'm speaking to the President, Chief Executive Officer, and the member of the Board of Directors for SSR Mining. That's Mr. Paul Benson. Paul, thanks for coming on the show, and please tell us about why investors should invest in SSR Mining. Sure. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me. Um, I think it's a combination of factors. We're a mid-tier precious metals producer. Um, there are a number of unique things about the company. We've got good internal growth. So from, if you look from 2018 through to 2021, a near 40% um, increase in gold equivalent production. We're probably the only one of our peer group that can say they've met or exceeded guidance, both in terms of production and costs, for the last seven years. So we, we do what we say we're going to do. Um, we've got a diversified portfolio. So we have our two largest mines are in Saskatchewan and um, Nevada, which are ranked the highest two or the best two from a political risk point of view. Uh, we've got a track record of um, delivery, both in terms of uh, production, production growth, um, but adding value for shareholders. Uh, and it's been a combination of both uh, M&A, good acquisitions, but then uh, adding to the reserve and resource base. So we've had a very successful track record of exploration as well. 
We were the second best performer on the TSX last year, only behind Kirkland Lake, finishing on a 52-week high, and I think today we'd be very close to a new 52-week high. So we certainly uh, continued to deliver performance. When you look 12 months out, um, do you think the main catalyst for your company would be external, mainly the commodity price of gold and silver, or do you see that being internal to the company? Um, yeah, we, we can't rest on you know external influences the, the the gold price will be what it'll be you know I'm actually bullish on gold but our job as managers is to focus on you know creating value uh, within the organization and that's a combination of things continuous improvement so squeezing more out of the asset uh, minimizing waste maximizing productivity but also then through adding ounces through expiration so to me that'll be the combination we also have a a significant project, Pitaria in Mexico, a large low-grade silver project, which we're trying to push forward ahead uh, with that as well. So hopefully, you know, the next 12 months we'll see some positive news on that one as well. Uh, the major miners, as you know, in the last six months or so have really combined. We have uh, Newmont, uh, Gold Corp, and Barrick, and there's the expected divestiture of many of their, what they would call, second-tier projects. Are you expecting to pick a lot of those projects up for your growth in the coming year? Uh, we will definitely look. Um, our Marigold, our largest mine, was um, an asset formerly owned by um, um, Gold Corp and Barrick we, we acquired from them. So that's a good example of how, how we've done that in the past. We recently announced the acquisition of the ground to the south of Marigold, Trenton Canyon from Newmont. So again, a divestiture. Uh, we'll, we will look. I don't think there'll be as many or I don't think it'll happen as quickly as a lot of the banks and commentators are hoping. Um, but we'll be disciplined and we'll look and if we find something that we think we can add value to um, that makes sense for us then we'll pursue it. But you know, I think our shareholders have uh, got confidence that you know, we'll never overpay just for the sake of growing. Mm -hmm. What's your free cash flow based on your last financial statement? Um, in, last year was a year of transition as we built um, a new mine down in Argentina uh, and we did that internally. So it, there was a we had a small decrease in our cash balance. We have one of the strongest cash balances in the year, but if you look going forward, we'll do close to 400,000 gold equivalent ounces this year, and our all-in sustaining costs will be just over $1,000. So you, know, you put in your gold price, you can figure out what, the, what you think the free cash flow will be. But you know, we finished last year with about 450 million US in cash. Um, as I said, one of the strongest uh, balance sheets uh, in the business. Uh, the only debt we have is a convertible note, um, which is um, the, the new one, which is not due until um, 2026. What about your relationship with Sprott? We're here at the Sprott conference. What is SSR Mining's relationship with the Sprott group? Um, I think it's varied over time. I, I know um, back in the day, um, Silver Standard used to be, the business model was a silver land bank. If you go back in the early 2000s, and you know, there was certainly a, um, a big area of focus on the retail side. I think you know, to us now, um, in this environment, we ha it's our duty to look everywhere for potential shareholders. So part of it here is in something like the um, Sprott Conference, which is incredibly well attended, and it's probably you know the conference for um, the western side of Canada. Um, but we also you know, reach out to every um, avenue we can, both institutional, retail through the Americas, through Europe, through Asia. Um, so it's one, one area of focus. As we conclude, what are the final thoughts you'd like to share with the investors listening to us? Well, I think, you know, unfortunately in this industry, there are um, a lot of people, you know, promoting a lot of companies. Um, a lot of them aren't creating value. And I think 
you know, don't just listen to what people say, but go back and look at the track record um, because that really you know, differentiates the, the people who tell a good story and the people who actually do what they say that they're going to do. And I think, you know, without a doubt, um, our track record indicates that you know, we have continued to deliver on the promises we've made to shareholders. Excellent. Well, thank you for your time, Paul. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this Mining Stock Education podcast. Please subscribe and share with like-minded investors. Visit us on the web at miningstockeducation.com for more resources on precious metals and natural resource investing. At our website, you can also sign up for our free newsletter for interview transcripts, stock picks, and more. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.